I've had people put me down because I didn't look like them. I look stronger. I've had people look past me because of the color of my skin. I've had people overlook me because I was a woman. I had critics say I will never win another Grand Slam when I was only at number seven. And now here I stand today with 21 Grand Slam titles and I'm still going. Good day, tennis enthusiasts. Welcome to the Out Wide Podcast. I'm Resh. I'm Steph. Happy New Year, Out Wide listeners, and happy 2024 tennis season. It's 2024 and we're back with more net smashing action. We're ready to serve up some laughs and aces as we dive into our first full-length episode, an Australian Open 2024 preview. In today's episode, get ready for a wild ride filled with key players, epic comebacks, and our predictions and hopes for the 2024 Australian Open and Grand Slams. Also, we recorded the 2024 preview episode on January 5th, so don't at me. There have been some developments since then. Since our last chat, Rafa Nadal pulled a disappearing act due to injury, wishing him a super speedy recovery. Arena Sabalenka faced the wrath of Alina Rybakina at the Brisbane International. Coco Goff outplayed Elena Svitolina in Auckland at the ASB Classic. Tennis, you wild. The 2024 tennis season is already serving up surprises hotter than a freshly baked ball of sunshine. And hold on to your tennis hats because the Australian Open kicks off this Sunday, favorite time of the year. Am I right? So before we get into our 2024 preview, we just want to acknowledge that it's a bit of a time in the world. We embarked on this podcast as a joyful endeavor, but we simultaneously want to acknowledge that there's a tremendous amount of human suffering happening currently in the world, namely in, but not limited to, Palestine and Ukraine. And it's something that we've struggled with to feel like the podcast is a worthwhile pursuit in the midst of all that. Ultimately, we have decided that it is still important to pursue joyful endeavors and that joy is in and of itself an act of resistance. We have a tremendous amount of empathy and collectively shared pain with what is going on worldwide. We're holding space for that and also pressing forward, feeling like joyful acts of resistance and the communities they create are still important and worthwhile during this tumultuous time globally as a means to energize towards collective action. Hoping for peace and liberation in 2024. So we're going to start with the WTA because that's where we always start and that's not where most people start. And so that's where we're going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those of you that do not know, um, tennis season officially kicks off every year in January. And there tends to be a few lead up tournaments where people can kind of get back at it, kind of gauge how they're doing. Um dip their toes back in the water after usually a bit of a seasonal break. So what's happening currently is there is a tournament in Brisbane, Australia, which is considered a warm-up tournament for the Australian Open, which is the first Grand Slam of the year. And why are they having that tennis tournament now, the Australian Open? Because it's summertime there, and it's lovely. Um, Another warm-up tournament is in Auckland, New Zealand. So a lot of people tend to play that one as well as a warm-up. 
the Australian Open starts, I believe, in about a week. So, yes. um, folks, and it starts on a Sunday this year. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Serena Williams was always a big fan of the Auckland tournament as a as a warm up. Oh, really? Yeah. It seems yeah. like it would be beautiful. Yeah, and I think it's cooler. Like ah. yesterday I was watching a match in Brisbane and Ostapenko had to take like a heat break. So oh, it's yeah. hot in Australia. Not so yeah. hot. A little cooler. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about the players that are there right now. Just woke up to this news uh, about Rafa, yeah. which you texted me about. Yeah. And Sabalenka too, and Kasakina, which, ugh. I haven't even seen the result, but I'm going to guess I know the result. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a straight set win by uh, Arina Sabalenka, the current world number two, uh, over Daria Kasakina, who was, I think, the fifth seed, uh, current singles ranking of 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so really excited about Daria Kasakina. But um, yeah, that was, I think, the semifinal of okay. uh, Brisbane. Yeah, I knew that was going to be a good match. Um, when yeah. I saw it. Part of the challenge of uh, this particular uh, Grand Slam and the tournaments leading up to it is that a lot of the featured events happen at midnight our time <clears throat> or around 2 a.m. our time um, just because exactly. that's how it plays out. And so a lot of times we wake up to headlines um, and scores. Exactly. Um, and I think there is the ASB, which is the Auckland. There's the Brisbane International. And then there's also United Cup um, which, that's happening, right? Yeah. I'm not sure what to make of that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I don't know. if Is it like a Fed Cup situation, like the Billie Jean King Cup? Is it like... Um, Labor Cup. I'm it's not sure. Clear. There's a lot of people on the court with the players. <laughs> it's very interesting. There's definitely like a, a national element to it. So there's like, yeah, it is. I see that. representing each other, supporting each other, playing against each other. Um, I don't even know where it is, and I'm I've never really noticed it before. Same. The only reason I'm I'm it's on my radar right now is uh, because Damonar beat Djokovic for the first time. Yes. Uh in it's huge, yeah. And I think it was straight sets. Um yeah, so I guess like yeah, that's that's a big win. We've had some upsets. So I guess going back to Brisbane, um right now we just had the quarterfinals um where Rafa Nadal, the current unranked Rafa Nadal is making his comeback um, or return to tennis after a lot of injuries and lost to Jordan Thompson. Yes. Australian Jordan Thompson in three sets. Um, And so it looked like it was a really uh, tough match on both ends, but it doesn't seem like Rafa was uh, at the same level that he was the first two um, matches. Yeah. Based on what I saw from the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's his first try Mm -hmm. in about a year, right? Exactly. Six months. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely closer to a year. Yeah. Like 340 days. Oh, 340 days. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Give or take. Yeah. (laughs) 
so it can get a little confusing just because there's all of these simultaneous kind of warm-up tournaments happening, but ultimately, you know, kind of the excitement is all getting sort of funneled towards um, the Australian Open at this point, and everyone has their eyes set on the Australian Open um, because everyone wants to win a Grand Slam. Um, Arena Sabalenka won last year, so she is definitely um, has her eyes set on winning a repeat. Um, mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka is back. Um, mm-hmm. She has also had good success at the Australian Open. Yes, won twice. Yeah, won twice. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that want to win this. This is oh, like, yeah. you know, whoever wins the first Grand Slam of the season, you know, is, you know, expected. It's starting off their season. It's starting yeah. off their season with a bang. And also, it's an Olympics year. So... I was reminded that the only player that has ever won all four tennis grand slams plus a gold medal, which is called the Golden Slam. Golden Slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Steffi Graf. Male or wow. female, the only player. And I think a super slam is when you win all four grand slams, you win a gold medal, and you win your division tournament so like the wta end of season or the atp i think people talk more about the golden slam because it mm-hmm. only happens every four years exactly kind of like a league. uh yeah yeah has anybody won a super slam not that i know of mm-hmm. yeah that is interesting i've never heard of this super slam yeah i was um, kind of reading about it and i was like oh okay yeah so anyway people sweet. want people want the golden slam people want to uh, win a gold medal and they want to win all four grand slams of course but yeah. it's clearly very tough because like um they're all different surfaces and like yeah. the australian open is hard courts so the and so is the u.s open the wimbledon is grass courts and the french open or Roland garros is clay and what makes that so difficult is you have to be an expert on all four surfaces and then whatever surface the olympics is going to be on yeah. This year, because it's in Paris, it, I think, will be on clay. Oh, interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. So I think that plays, um, you know, that favors the people who are really good on clay, uh, like Rafa Nadal, even though he's on his comeback, but also uh, Iga Sviantek. Yeah. There are has- some people that are kind of thinking Rafa's just pushing through to get one more win at the French and potentially a win, a gold medal at the olympics and then we'll probably dip out we'll see um love that for him love that for him exactly if that is totally what he wants to do then that's amazing and also that those are his highest chances of winning right would be on both of those although he did get to the semis last year of wimbledon Mm -hmm. and he beat taylor fritz in the quarterfinals to get to the semis and then had that abdominal injury. But I know that he has had some good results in Wimbledon, but I do think that's so much of a tougher turnaround because you're going from clay, a way slower surface to a really fast surface like grass. Yeah. You know, for a lot of folks, I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, I don't know that they think so much about like the different surfaces. Maybe they do, but it's like, it's really a different game on all of them. You know, even different hard court surfaces can play so differently. And so 
you know, grass tends to have just, you know, uneven surfaces. Um, clay, you can slide quite a bit. Tends mm -hmm. to be a very slow game. Hardcore mm -hmm. tends to be very fast, mm -hmm. very hot. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it like the fact that anyone honestly could win on all four surfaces plus get a gold medal in one year is insanity. That's wild. Good I job, Steffi. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. Well, I hope that somebody else gets that during our lifetime, but uh, totally. I mean, <laughs> well, we, we talk about goats all the time. Right. And like, if Steffi is the only one who's done this, I, I mean, I know like we've had people who have gotten the career slam, right? Like all four grand slams without the gold medal, um, because maybe it wasn't an Olympics year. Um, but but that's why that golden slam is so important because like not just being good, like every year consistently, but also like on the year that there is an Olympics, right. we know Rafa has won a gold medal at an Olympics, but he didn't win the other grand right. slams associated with that year. So. Well, and Djokovic also. Yeah. He definitely wants this. Um, yeah. And I think he's only gotten. What's that? A bronze. I think he's only gotten bronze. Oh, Okay. Well, I mean, he's, I think, has his eyes set on, like, the full on, the, the full package, right? Golden Slam? We'll see. Um, it's very interesting that he lost in Brisbane. Mm. And they think it's because of, well, I saw him actually, like, walk off the court with a wrist situation. And I saw him, like, prepping him pre-match, um, doing some pretty intense physical therapy. I was like, is that physical therapy? Or are they relocating <laughs> his wrist? Uh, it seemed like a medical procedure. Um, courtside. They were wrenching wow. on it. So, and, you know, a wrist injury rolling into a Grand Slam is a tough spot to be. He's not someone that tends to suffer from a lot of injuries. I would imagine they're going to do literally whatever it takes to get his wrist where it needs to be for the Australian Open. Um, but it seems to be an issue rolling in. So that's that's tricky for him. Um, yeah. No, and want. those are... Well, and those are like two of the biggest sort of like favorites going into any Grand Slam would be, you know, Djokovic and Nadal. And both of them are kind of ones coming off of injuries, a whole year of injuries. The other one now has new wrist injuries. We're going to talk about this later, but like Emma Raducanu is also coming back um, and had two wrist surgeries. So wrist injuries are really tough um, and had, yeah, had surgeries as a result of the wrist injuries. So hopefully, you know, that is not something that impacts him for the long term. But like you said, and even Rafa has mentioned this too, like Novak has been in a really, has been very lucky throughout his career to not have a lot of injuries. Absolutely. Like Federer had injuries and had to have, you know, knee surgery. Rafa had to have hip surgery. So especially around this mid thirties age. Yeah. It happens. It happens. The thirties don't hit like the 20s. <laughs> they don't. The body the body <laughs> comes a knocking and it's like slow down, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um so WTA, want to hit some yeah. of that? um key players to watch. So could start with Iga Swiatek. Uh over the last year, numbers have dipped a little bit, but she is currently number one, I believe. Uh, yes. WCA. And um, she was just basically a, a completely dominating force in 2022, like unbeatable. Um, and has dipped a bit, 
Um, she is very young, 22. Um, from 22. Yeah. Yep. And has been known from the very beginning for her focus on her mental health, which is fascinating. She travels with a sports psychologist. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, does a lot of meditating, um, which is very interesting. Um, I just don't feel like I've ever seen like such a young player come out as, you know, so with um, a mental health aspect as like basically the core of their entire strategy and game. I love it. I, I think she's so calm and collected on the court when things are not going her way. You don't see her throwing temper tantrums. Um, there's a maturity and like a greater understanding around her place in the world, um, as well as like the privilege that it is just to play tennis. I think I see that with Coco too, is just mm -hmm. sort of like this, this sort of like through line that this is just a game, you oh. know? And, and so they're just trying to have fun, which mm -hmm. I think is the most mature way to look at sport. Um, yeah. So love Iga. Yeah. Very cool mentally. When she's also, home, she's freaking oh, home. Yes. And back to like the streak that she had in 2022, yeah. it was one of the best win streaks since Serena. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because she won consistently. I mean, it was like 30 something and, you yeah. know, one or something like that. But consistently, I think until probably after the French, yeah. from Australia to the French, um, she's won four Grand Slams, mm -hmm. three French Opens, one US Open. Um, so the French was in 2020, 2022, 2023. And then the US was in 2022 during that really great season that she yeah. had. Also has been off the court really publicly supportive of ukraine from yeah. the jump um very oh, respectful black, yeah where's the yeah. totally yeah. totally um is also like people talk about this all the time and you know um we've heard it as well is she will be so dominant on the court that she will leave like top ranked players um at a 6-0 she will beat them with 6-0 um a couple times in the match right and so they call that a bagel um and people will say oh Iga, you've you have this bakery where you you know you collect bagels essentially saying that you beat people 6-0 yeah. and she is so respectful of these defeated opponents that she's not going to engage with press about this bakery or bagel factory and i think that's so kind mm -hmm. and compassionate mm -hmm. um and we don't see that in tennis a lot because people yeah. would just sort of haughtily laugh and be like oh yeah whatever totally yeah like her ego seems completely in check um which is really interesting especially for a 22 year old and she's not petty like yeah i am sure she's an emotional person on some level but like you just don't see like she's steady eddie uh she's not erratic uh she's kind yeah she seems humble um mm -hmm. and it it's just consistent throughout like her game you know her interviews mm -hmm. it's really something you know yeah i think her love for the game really shines like yeah. you can tell that she was a fan first and yeah. then uh a player because she also is a rafa fan she loves to play on clay um she will you know watch other people's matches as well and congratulate them like i think she can appreciate quality tennis uh with without putting her ego in it 
Yeah. It's just comparing yourself. Yeah. It's not the norm. It stands out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's interesting because she doesn't always get like the highlights and like, you know, the headlines as like the most exciting player. And Mm -hmm. because she doesn't have like the clickbait, right? Like she's kind, she's consistent. She's (laughs) her egos in check. So there aren't a lot of opportunities to like, you know, there's no, not a lot of viral videos of her because she's not petty. (laughs) Well, there's not a lot of volatility, you know, like she's not smashing rackets. There's not a lot of controversy around her. Um, And I think we see that with Rybakina as well, you know, like mentally just very cool Mm -hmm. and steady and consistent, you know, it's kind of like, It's kind of like a secure attachment style, you know, when you're like in relationship with someone and you're like, you know, you have the avoidant anxious and there's that up and down roller coaster. You know, we see that with players sometimes, you know, we'll talk about some of them uh, at some point. But with a with the Sviantec, you don't see that. And it's kind of great. It's also often a quality of like Eastern Europe, (laughs) definitely emotionally different like they don't know they don't i mean some of i'm generalizing but there's not as much of a like hard on the sleeve situation and i actually think ega comes off as like a very sweet human um but they tend to have kind of a pretty their tennis game um they seem to have a better ability to in a lot of cases to compartmentalize tennis in their game um So it's just an interesting difference. Um, yeah. So Arena, that takes us to Arena Sabalenka, who does sometimes have some viral vids. Um, <laughs> did you yeah. see the, did you see the, um, was it the uh, through the legs shot? Oh, yeah. Recently in Brisbane? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Didn't the, work. The, Entertaining. Didn't work, but yeah. Like the through the leg shot is kind of like the equivalent of like the soccer, like scissor kick or <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, it's a real, real crowd pleaser. Yeah. When people do it, especially when they get it. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. It's entertaining as hell. Yes, it is entertaining as hell. <laughs> Love to see the women headed in that direction. Um, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, Arena Sabalenka won the Australian Open last year, definitely has a good chance of winning it again. She seems actually in better shape than I've ever seen her physically. Um, Strong. She got so close to winning the (laughs) U.S. Open. (laughs) Um, Last year. Last year. And, yeah, I mean, I think that. You know, it's like it's like an incumbent in an election. You know, you've got mm-hmm. uh, you you know you've done it once. <laughs> you and lots of other people know you can do it again, and so right. Um, you know, she's definitely up there as a as a possible repeat. Um, totally, but it's hard to defend. Um, defend. If you are yeah. the defending champion, you're defending points as well, um, and. The difference between Iga and Arena right now in terms of points is like 500 points. Like they are very close. Mm. Beyond that, the next, the next ranked person, Coco, is significantly lower. So, um, I do think whoever wins this, uh, between, if it is one of those two will likely be number one. Okay. 
which is kind of like arbitrary. We don't super care about the rankings, but, um, but yeah, that is kind of what we're seeing. And Arena Sabalenka, right-handed power player from Belarus. Yep. 25. Current uh, singles ranking is number two. Uh, beat Rabakina last year um, to get the Australian Open, made the final of US Open, played Coco, uh, lost in a tight three-setter, and then also made every semifinal of mm-hmm. the Grand Slams last year, or in 2023. Yeah. Very consistent. Lives in Florida, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's where she does her training. Yeah. Totally. And then has a lot of that volatility we were talking about earlier. Can get frustrated, smash yeah. a racket here and there. Which uh, but has where she she would like kept it together and then walked off the court. And then there's like, it used to just be the cameras were on the court and everything that happened off the court was not mic'd and it, there were no cameras in the back. But now they have cameras literally everywhere. There's cameras on the golf carts that take them around to the courts. Mm-hmm. There's cameras in the hallways as they're warming up. And she walked off the court having like totally kept it together and smashed one of her rackets. Which was that? Um, I don't know. There was a lot of discussion around that because it's just kind of like when do players just get to be um, private, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting point, you know? Um Yeah. So they should have some access to privacy in the tournament grounds, you know, without any cameras. It's just like, um, cause for how long do you have to keep it together when you, um, you know, go through these really emotional matches and then the outcome is not what you wanted. Of course, there's going to be like, um, frustration, anger. There's so much like sort of loss or, you know, sadness yeah. associated with it. And they should have like a private area for them to sort of like feel it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have to like go into a locked bathroom to break a racket now? I mean, I think breaking rackets is like an entirely different <laughs> discussion, but it's just, it's also like, yeah. When can people be private? Right. It's like, she really did keep it together. And I honestly think that breaking a racket on a court versus breaking a racket in private is actually a very different event. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, we've seen people break rackets on courts and like parts go flying and actually like hit people. Um, it's a very public display of like, (laughs) um, aggression (laughs) and Mm -hmm. actually sometimes dangerous, but like you walk off the court, you go back, you're upset, you lost and you break a racket. You know, I'm not like saying that that is an ideal way to process a loss, but it's like a fairly common go-to for tennis players Mm -hmm. at high levels (laughs) and Yeah. yeah, should it have been like leaked to the press? I don't know. I don't know that it was like super fair. I agree with you. I mean, the tennis racket is all you have while you're out there, right? So like, that's why I think a lot of people just sort of take their aggression out on the racket. Um, Not saying that it's okay or the ball, right? But we've seen like, um, we've seen that manifest into big injuries, people getting defaulted from grand slams. Um, Yeah. And, And it can be really dangerous and harmful. And so I think like one on the court when other people are around. Yeah, I, I don't think there's, I don't know that it should be present all the time, but it is. Uh, and then processing that, those feelings outside, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and they should have the privacy to do that. Yeah. 
But the good thing about Arena and what I think has kind of been very redeeming for both of us as well when we're watching her is that like she has sort of turned that around um, during 2023. Like mm -hmm. even just her winning the uh, Australian last year, she was so cool. She was so like consistent, um, mentally very tough, not seeing sort of the ups and downs that we have in the past that I think has sort of like um, detracted from her uh, her level. Mm hmm. And so good for her for, you know, like reeling that in and whatever she's doing, it's, it's working right now. No, for sure. um, yeah. Yeah. So Coco. I feel like we're announcers where we're like coming in at number three is Corey Goff. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Hailing from <Yeah>. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Winner of the 2023 U.S. Open. <laughs> Her first Grand Slam. Yeah, at age 19. Debuted at Wimbledon in 2019 by defeating Venus at 16 years old. Her idols were the Williams sisters growing up. Yeah, I saw a thing where she's basically like, they are the reason why I pick, picked up a tennis racket in the first place. So, like, for her to be able to debut at Wimbledon in 2019 and defeat Venus Williams is wild at age 16. And, like, truly a testament of, like, the legacy that the Williams sisters have left behind. You know, it's like, I'm sure oh, people not enjoy losing to her. Yeah, I mean, she grew up, like, her dad, um, both of her parents were college athletes, I believe. Yeah, they were um, NCAA college athletes, basketball, track and field. Um, mm -hmm. I guess her dad didn't really even really know that much about tennis. Um, but Coco was into it, you know, watching the Williams sisters and they ended up figuring it out. And the co her dad was the coach, her coach for a very long time, like growing up. Wow. I know. Corey. Kind of like the Williams sisters. And exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, was with Perry Reba. Yeah. For, uh, I think up until very recently, um, and then just recently parted ways. I think it was like on good terms. And then I think Perry Reba went to, uh, is now coaching one of the Chinese players, uh, Jinwen Zhang. Okay. Yeah. Um, but now also I believe Brad Gilbert is still on, um, coaching duty with Coco and yeah, play style for Coco. She's been looking great at, uh, okay. was she at Auckland, right? Right now, like really dominant. She's in Auckland doing her warm up. Mm hmm. Uh, really, I think the Coco is like so fast on yeah. the court. And I think that's one of her biggest strengths is that, like, what we saw in the US Open final against Sabalenka is her defense is amazing. And it's really almost her like it turns into offense. Like she's able to quickly turn into uh, turn those defensive shots into offensive shots or uh, winners, outright winners. And then also forces that opponent to uh, hit a couple extra shots that they likely wouldn't uh, hit with another player and yep. go for closer to the lines. Yeah. I'm not totally sure, but I don't know that she's dropped a set in the warm up tournament. I feel like she's kind of sailed through. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, she's looking really good. Very strong. I was going to say, since she, I, since she won the previous Grand Slam, that's also on hard courts. I wonder if she's like a big favorite going into the AO. Yeah, I wonder as well. 
Yeah, because I mean, they start announcing people. It's like when Coco comes on the court, it's going to be the 2023 US Open winner. You know, when Arena comes on the court, it's going to be like, well, uh, mm-hmm. 2022 or 2023 uh, winner of the Australian Open. So there's a lot of pressure when you've won a Grand Slam to not just be a one hit wonder, um, which at this point, TBD with both Sabalenka and Gaw, right? You get a exactly. lot more street cred once you've won two. Definitely. It was not a fluke. It was not a magical, you know, draw that you happen to just like sail to the top, uh, which is exactly. sometimes what people will say about you if you only win one. Totally. Well, there's a lot of those, right? There's a lot of people that we know within both both tours, Dominic Team, mm-hmm. uh, Emma Kanu, you know, they have those same sort of conversations around whether they can sort of like do Sloan it again Stevens. and get to that same level. Sloan Stevens, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, and it's hard then to come back to that level after it dips, especially after more and more time like passes. So these yeah. two are kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. They're all the talk right now. All the talk. Yeah. I was reading about Coco's playing style and it's interesting. So I guess she has like a super, super extreme Western grip where like basically your palm is like under the racket. And um, it's a little atypical because it's just like very unforgiving. Like mm-hmm. it requires like super precise timing, super precise footwork. And like basically everything really has to line up for it to work. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she just won a, a, a Grand Slam with like a very atypical extreme grip is very interesting mm-hmm. because a lot of times over the years, people were very critical of it. They're basically like, you need to change your grip. And her coaches have not changed her grip. You know, so usually people just have like a less extreme grip that's like more forgiving where you get more. Mm-hmm. It's just you don't have to have quite the level of precision. And that's Mm -hmm. why those other grips are more popular. But she's like Mm -hmm. really stuck with what has worked for her. And it's interesting because even though she's changed coaches, they're like, no, we're keeping, we're sticking with what we see as working for you, Um, which is kind of cool because that can actually like totally take players out of the game. If people are like, no, like fundamentally, you need to be doing something that's different that everybody else is doing. Um, It can really change your game, destroy your confidence and... Yeah, it's just interesting that they've chosen to stick with that because Mm -hmm. a lot of things have to be right for it to work. Exactly. I mean, it's really, it's, I feel like that type of grip is, is almost like we see Rafa also have like a really extreme Western grip as well, where your racket head speed has to be very fast Uh for you to get also under the ball and get the amount of spin because you're trying to get top spin out of like that type of grip. Um, And so one, I also think like getting your racket back quick enough Uh and getting, like you said, getting your racket in the right place and preparing to hit the shot kind of is a little harder because you can't really go back quickly and get it. You have to be so far under the ball, like placement where you're hitting it is important too. So that's, that's really interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. I Um, really hadn't paid much attention to it either. Um, mm -hmm. I was just reading about her online and I'm like, oh, I completely unaware. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I I also like appreciate like someone doing something differently. You know, like I yeah. think 
you know, it's not all, you don't have to be this cookie cutter. It doesn't have to be cookie cutter for you to like set up for success in the pro circuit. Right. I think like the Williams sisters sort of like buck that in a lot of ways, because usually it was junior circuit and then going right into the pros and everyone was pushing them to do that. And I think Richard was like, no, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. And they ended up being so successful. Right. And I think this is very similar where it doesn't have to always be the same type of grip, the same type of playing style, you know, we we saw that with Federer too, where everyone was like, oh, let's everyone do a one-handed backhand. And this is mm-hmm. how you need to be volleying elegantly. Mm-hmm. Totally. No. Well, and the whole, yeah, like going back to Serena, like um, everyone was like, yeah, you need a closed stance forehand. Yes. He was like, no, no, I'm good with my open stance. And she mm-hmm. used that open stance forehand until the end of time. And it was nonstop. Amazing. Yeah. Nonstop. Because like, and Oracine, Oracine was the one who was like, nope, this is how we're doing it. We're practicing it this way. Yep. I love that. I know. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you pick up a racket how you pick up a racket and you just like hold it how it feels right. And so for people to come in and start like messing with it and telling you that you have to do it a different way, it's kind of like, well, that's going against everything that feels right. So, um, and going against the winning, you yeah. know, like, like you yeah. can't argue with the numbers, the winning. Exactly. <laughs> I think Serena's open stance forehand did just fine. And I think Coco Goth's extreme Western grip is just fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Don't change. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> don't do anything. Don't change anything right now, Coco. You're doing you're doing great, sweetie. Um, Ons, Yabor. Oh, yeah. Ons. Yeah. High hopes for Ans this year. Totally. Um, I really, really hope Ans gets it. So Ans is a uh, Tunisian player, ranked number six, uh, 29, age 29, um, has just has her eye on Wimbledon Mm, and has gotten to two Wimbledon finals in 2023 and 2022, lost in 2023 to uh, Marketa Vondrasova. And then in 2022 to Rabakina and then lost the 2022 U.S. Open final to Sviantec. Mm-hmm. So definitely some very tough she's losses, close. but I f- she's so close. Yeah. I mean, the wild I'm thing the- about her, I mean, there's a lot of things that are very interesting about her. Um, but she, when I was reading about her, her favorite thing is to hit crazy shots. <laughs> <laughs> which like you watch her play and it's true like I mean I I'm not saying I can relate to her but like it kind of reminds me of my game a little bit because I'll get like lazy or I'll be like oh this will be more fun and I'll just like hit a wild like um you know spin shot or just like a really annoying drop shot to just like kind of disrupt the game (laughs) and it's fun and that's what she kind of like was describing in this article I read about her she's basically like yeah that's what makes tennis fun for me it's not like I mean I think she likes the game of tennis overall but she likes to bring that like kind of non-traditional silly kind of playful approach mixing shots up you know very regularly that's like what brings her joy and you can see it like when she hits those crazy shots and they work out she like laughs and thinks it's hilarious you know um, totally yeah. fun for ons fun fun for you not fun for the opponent not, not fun, fun for, for me opponent. when i'm playing you <laughs> yes 
Cause like also those, those drop shots, those slices, like, especially on surfaces like grass, they're yeah. so unforgiving. Yeah, like, like you have to be, yes, the bounce is like, you, especially for you, your spin is wild. So, and I'm, I'm sure for Ans too, it's like the spin is just and the touch, right? The touch that's necessary to make those drop shots, yeah. like, work well is it, it's a lot like a, a lot of players do not have that like finesse that touch um to do trick shots and drop shots like Ans does um yeah. it's it's really fun to is, watch yeah she also is like all over the place like she's like definitely a, you know how she's feeling you know she's wearing her heart <laughs> on her sleeve she's feeling yes. good you know she's feeling a little down you know Feeling a little defeated. Yeah. Everyone knows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows. And it's a heartbreaker to watch because like, especially in the finals when you know she wants it so bad and everyone is um, rooting for her and this this big sort of landmark moment, right? Because like Ons is trying to be the first player from the African continent to yeah. win a Grand Slam. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so much is so much is on her shoulders right now. And I think that pressure obviously gets to gets to her in those big moments. I think like it would for anybody. Oh, totally. um, yeah. I think it's going to happen. Everyone always I says hope. she's like literally the nicest person behind the scenes. Also, like everybody likes songs. Yeah. How can you not? Even on even in Breakpoint, right? Breakpoint, the show on Netflix, yeah. coming back for a season two. Um, she and her partner are so charming oh, totally. together. Yeah, her partner is her coach, right? Her husband is her yep. or is her trainer. Trainer, trainer and ex fencer. It's interesting. Ex Fencing, yeah, I got hmm. um, But anyway, Ons like basically grew up in a very small town in Tunisia where. Her mom played tennis recreationally, I guess. And no one played tennis there. Like, it wasn't, like, a thing. And they, like, Ons was showing some, like, you know, promise. And they somehow linked up with a coach. The coach didn't even have anywhere to play. They had to, like, end up playing, basically borrowing courts at hotels um, during her formative tennis years. Like, there wasn't, there was no infrastructure. Um, and so that's just a very interesting element to all of it, you know, coming from a country, um, and a con continent, honestly, that just like, doesn't have as much tennis and infrastructure. And then for her to have come as far as she has, like, that's really impressive on so many. Oh levels. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For her to be within the top 10 and to be playing at this, like at this level consistently yeah. also like, you know, it sucks that this is the case, but like 29 for uh, tennis players is getting older. That's when they like, that's when, you know, body things start to happen. Injuries start to creep up and then eventually they will stop playing after that point. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like for her to be doing so well and keeping up with these like 22 year olds and 21 year olds and 19 year olds yeah. right now um, is really impressive. And yeah, it, and especially coming from where she is, like, right? The access is just not there. Totally. Yeah. It's those it's those trick shots that keep her in the game. It's those trick shots. <laughs> well, and also I think like what we love about Ans too is how um how she shows up like off court. Totally. I think she's been so supportive um of organizations providing like aid to Palestine from the get-go. Yeah. She is part owner 
along with Naomi Osaka and a few others. Uh, they own yeah. the National Women's Soccer League team, the North Carolina Courage. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Investing in women's sports. Women's sports. Women's exactly. Sports. Love to see it. Yeah. Speaking of Naomi Osaka. Speaking of Naomi Osaka, she's back. She is back. She has returned. Yep. Uh, currently unranked, uh, hailing from Japan, Osaka, Japan. That's right. At age 26. Mm-hmm. And Lives took a break. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just had a baby last year okay. with Corday. Yep. Corday, who won an Emmy. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, so Naomi's coming back after taking a sizable break, both a break for like I think having having the baby, yep. but also I think wanted a mental health break away from totally. tennis yep. to rediscover the joy. Yep. And no one knew if she was even coming back ever. Totally. Which we would have been fine with that. Totally. Yeah, cuz I think I think everything everybody wants Naomi to just be happy. Totally. I hope. And honestly like off the court, she was she hasn't played tennis in over a year. She was still in the top 10 highest paid women's athletes in the world. And she was not playing tennis. So it's kind of like, do you have to play tennis? No, you do not. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, um, very marketable <laughs> individual. <laughs> so it's kind of like for her to be back, it seems, you know, on her terms and it seems genuine. And I think mm-hmm. we all know that she definitely doesn't have to do it if she doesn't want to. And I think she's bringing that energy back. Like I missed it. I want to be here. This is fun. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting. We saw, um, I was watching a, one of the, the matches at, she was at Brisbane, right? Yeah. And um, after the match, she had won. She played a great match. It was her first match mm-hmm. back. And mm-hmm. uh, they did the post match interview. And mm-hmm. literally the first thing out of the interviewer's mouth is like, so what's easier playing tennis or like putting your child to sleep? And I'm like, do you think I you're asking that. Corday that after when he wins his Emmy? <laughs> it's just I like- totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Are you asking uh, Nadal that? Yeah. On the court? He just had a baby last year. Are you asking about that? Like, Does anyone so even know that Medvedev has kids? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Djokovic has kids. Totally. Uh, like so many people have kids, especially like dudes, and nobody's asking them about, about putting their kids. To- Period. Trash. Yeah. Yeah. And Naomi's I saw that like, too. I mean, she didn't say it, but she's kind of like, I got help with that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she gave a little, she like chuckled a little bit. And I know she was thinking it in her head. Yeah, like, totally. like, this, this is, is trash. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Totally. I mean, so she was coming back this time in Brisbane. This was her first time back after over, I think, a year and played actually quite well. I think like she, who did she beat? Well, she lost to Pliskova. Oh, yeah. um, In a really tight match. Um, But I think the first round was actually really solid. Like she was playing really well. Her serve was on fire. Yeah. Um, She was coming out of holes like love 30 love 40 like hitting aces after that coming in and going all the way back to deuce with just the serve yeah Um, yeah moving around pretty well but i did see like definitely 
if there were shots that were like uh too far out or a little like she was gonna have to like really run for them she definitely was like taking taking it a little bit slow for some of them especially towards like the tail end of that which is you know understandable we've seen rafa do it too where you're kind of like weighing do i want to exert myself right now or do i want to like kind of preserve my energy for what may be a longer match sure yeah and I mean, ultimately, also the Australian Open, right? It's like these matches, these tournaments are warm ups. Absolutely. Don't want to hurt yourself. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be very interesting to see her coming back. There were definitely like some professional athletes that are also moms that have come back and continued to compete that were like, you know, hyping her up and telling her, you know, wishing her luck. It was very, it was, yeah. it was very cute. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think like Vika is there and yep. Spitalina. So there are, there are definitely like players that have come back. And um, I think her motivation behind coming back seems um, sustainable. Yeah. This time Absolutely. around. You know, rather than just wanting it to be winning, 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 making money. Like, I don't think she's ever been like that, but um, it seems like she wants to be, she genuinely wants to be out there and she is choosing to be there. Yeah. And wasn't it Allison, was it Allison Felix track and field that had the baby? And there was some controversy around like Nike and like whether or mm-hmm. not they were, anyway, and she ended up doing great. Um, anyway, she was hyping Naomi up being like, welcome back, you know, go get it. It was awesome. I love that. Yeah. And so Naomi has had some success, like we said, uh, at the Australian Open, won the 2019 Australian Open and 2021, and then won the U.S. Open at uh, in 2018 and 2020. So she is a great hardcore player. Oh, yeah. Four hit wonder. All hardcore. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She's coming back for more. I'm just going to yeah definitely i agree i agree i and like i also think naomi is at her best when she wants to be there and when she like is confident in um her ability like when she came back for 2020 like us open there was such a level of dominance of like i'm here to do this and i am going to get this and no one's going to get in my way and so i think like that motivation for her makes a huge difference in her results yeah kind of like her why yeah exactly yeah when it's clear yeah and a lot of that year um was you know she was very vocal about social justice you know mm-hmm. she was like had probably the the biggest platform of her career you know and mm-hmm. was like definitely using it to speak out and yeah. it, was, it was awesome you know she i think she was pretty clear on why she was there and what she needed to do <laughs> exactly. And has continued since then to be an advocate for oh, yeah. racial justice, mental health, gender equity. Like she is also, like you said, a part owner for the NC Courage. So that's awesome in, in terms of championing women's sports. Totally. I'm loving yeah. to see I'm loving this like other women, you know, women supporting women's sports. Yeah. I mean North Carolina Courage is not my favorite, I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> a but, lot of people are doing Angel City, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like North Carolina actually was the first soccer team uh, to have well-known investors, um, like other athletes investing. Angel City mm-hmm. was like came much later. So Naomi Osaka was was I think the first to be part owner of a large team. Serena Williams gotcha. is part owner of Angel City. 
Right. And Alexis. Oh, Hannah. And Alexis. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the list of stars on Angel City is, is lengthy. Um, Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it goes and it goes and it goes. But yeah, um, yeah the, the fact that they invested in North Carolina courage is great. At one, and at the time that Naomi was invested, investing in them initially, they were dominating. Like North Carolina was like the team to beat. And gotcha. so, um, yeah, they've had some struggles with like coaching turnover, et cetera. But um, it's just great to see, um, you know, the value. Next, we have Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend. Who we're so excited about. Current singles ranking 80. Current doubles ranking six. Um, is from Chicago. Now lives in Georgia. Um, 27 years old. Uh, has singles has a lot of doubles grand slam uh wins big wins um singles uh the furthest that she's gotten was fourth round in the u.s open in 2019 beating simona halep um and third round in the u.s open in 2023 um that was a fun run to watch yeah Yep. And then doubles grand slam results got to the final of the french in 2023 with leila fernandez Got to the final of the U.S. Open in 2022 with Katie McNally. Yeah. And then won Cincinnati in 2023 with Alicia Parks. So, like, the last two years have been really positive for Taylor Townsend. Yep. And it's it's interesting to see her thriving in doubles because, like, even as a singles player, her whole thing is, like, serve and volley. So that, like, tends to pair really well with doubles. But Mm -hmm. she's just like, it doesn't even matter who she's paired with. Like, she is an absolute blast to watch. Mm -hmm. And anytime she's playing doubles, you should watch because it's actually fun. Oh, yeah. The point of playing doubles, in my opinion, is to have fun. And she, like, really brings that forward. Um, Yeah, and elevates whoever she's with. It's like, oh, I don't care who my doubles partner is. (laughs) I got this. You can just come join me and we'll go have fun and we'll win. Totally. Whether it's Ben Shelton, whether it's like Jamie Murray or, you know, whoever she's playing with, she is elevating them and uh, they are doing really well and they're just having fun. Like she's so she's so good at that. Um, And also, like, you don't see a lot of serve and volleyers. You see some of them on the men's side, but like you don't see a lot of like uh, women serve and volleyers. And so it's really an interesting play style to watch. Um, It is it just changes it up. You know, it's not the same baseline power again and again. Um, And I think those curveballs are kind of like helpful to disrupt these, you know, big four top 10 players that have the same type of ground strokes all the time, Mm -hmm. like a Sabalenka. Um, That's why I think Jabor does really well because she changes it up and kind of makes them adapt. Um, I think Taylor's the same way. Same. Yeah. And if you want to read up on controversy, 2012 Taylor Townsend basically was like the star that was a rising, rising star that basically was not given opportunities um, for a variety of reasons. And yeah, she'd probably be in a very different place had she had the support of the USTA, but she absolutely did not. And there were, it's a very interesting thing to read up on. Um, and it's very enlightening about like the amount of power that the USTA has and how mm-hmm. they can either kind of make or break your career. Um, mm-hmm. She's basically been like trying to fight back ever since. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and she has, and like, but it's kind of all been on her because of the work that she's done outside of the USTA. Mm-hmm. Um, it's upsetting. I mean, she would have definitely had a very different career in my opinion, had she been given the opportunity and supported as the rising star that she very clearly was. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Um, and what I think, you know, ended up happening and, and I guess a little bit further in terms of that controversy was that she had won, she was a juniors champion. She had won like the 2012 Australian open at 15 years old, um, won doubles that same year. And, uh, when she was trying to apply for a wild card for the 2012 U S open, despite being the number one ranked junior in the world, um, the USTA ultimately said, we don't want to pay for your wildcard entry into the US Open. And so her personal coach, Kamal Murray, had to raise money for her to go. Yep. Wild. I know. And then after and that then, whole thing, yeah, she ended up training. She basically like kind of broke up with the USDA and was training under Zena Garrison, who was also a professional tennis player. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it, it's just like, I mean, the, the reasons that they were citing were like, you know, basically she wasn't fit. Um, they had problems around like her weight and she was a young black player and mm-hmm. just honestly didn't have the support. And it's very upsetting because mm-hmm. she was literally the number one juniors player in the world and she totally. did not have the backing of the US TA. Right. And it was veiled as concern for her well-being. And then when she had labs done, when she had all the work up to make sure that like she was actually fully healthy, and then they ended up finding something, right? Like I think she was anemic or something like that. Um, They ended up finding something and she was like, perfect. We're going to treat that. And then I get my wildcard entry uh, problem solved. They still didn't do it. They still... Yeah, exactly. And then they chalked it up as a miscommunication Um, after she like made it to the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And and so like and Patrick McEnroe was the head of the USDA. We've talked about this, I think, in another episode. But it just is like it's worth bringing up because it is so ubiquitous within the tennis world. It happens. And um, this player is so worthy of amplification and so fun to watch and is bringing such a wider, like so much of a wider audience to tennis um, that like, it's really just gross and upsetting. Well, the success is like in spite of, you know, not because of support from the USDA. And a lot of players just get this like green light. They've got, you know, complete support from the USDA. They've got funding. They get the best courts. They get all these things. and everything that Taylor Townsend has basically won is outside of that, you know, and Mm -hmm. despite it, despite it. Yeah. It's very, Mm -hmm. so in a lot of ways, like her ranking at 80 and like her showing and all of her wins is like almost more impressive because she's had to do it without the support and outside of the, the typical system. Exactly. All because she doesn't fit this mold of what they deem tennis to look like. And uh, yeah, it's, I think she is like, we've talked about before. She's what's exciting about tennis. She's what's breaking the mold of what like tennis looks like and making it acceptable for people to look not 
like paper thin Mm -hmm. and play tennis, you know, um, to have a child and come back and play regularly and to succeed in doubles and singles, um, to not play within these because they're systems, right? The USTA two is like a built system that is completely like it has is perpetuating all those things that we see out in society, right? Racism, sexism, uh, fat shaming, all of that. So, and it's a real testament to how much she must love the game because she's yeah. like not been given the love that a lot of people have just been like, a lot of people just have like the, the carpet rolled out for them. And mm-hmm. she has not, that has not been her experience at all. And she keeps like fighting back and she keeps showing up and keeps winning. And it's like, it's really, she's definitely a player to keep an eye on. She is, she knows why she's there. She does. Exactly. It is her time. As it she says. Daria Kasakina. Yeah. Current singles ranking number 18 uh, is from Russia, lives in Barcelona, Spain. I did not know that. Can you blame her? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. thinking about where she's from. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and out. Out. Out, queer tennis player. Queer tennis player. Doesn't want to live in Russia, would prefer to live in Barcelona, Spain. <laughs> uh, 26 years old. Uh, best Grand Slam result so far has been the semifinal of the French in 2022. Um, Really fun to watch vocal, like off the court, I think like has uh, vocally condemned the Russia, Ukraine war from the jump Mm -hmm. known for her crafty style of play. Yeah, no, I know. I like that. I think that's awesome. She's like not a power player. She's more like, I'm going to out outsmart you. She does these like, as the British would say, cheeky. <laughs> cheeky. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, she just outwits. She outwits players. They don't know what's coming. Yeah. I love that. I mean, like we said, changing it up, right? So it's like forcing the opponent to adapt. Um, yeah. Diverse shot making. Yep. Changing it up. Born to parents who are both nationally ranked in athletics and ice hockey. Yeah, I know. Huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. Also, yeah. I love like, um, I think I sent you that interview uh, with her right before she's coming out on court. Also seems super grounded. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, the interviewer is like, how are you going to, you know, uh, prepare for this matchup right before she's going on the court? And um, she was like, I thought a lot about uh what I was going to say in this interview. And I was thinking about it last night and I want to promote my YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Daria Kasakana on YouTube. Follow me, subscribe. (laughs) Ma'am, you are on national television. (laughs) They've asked you a pointed question. And I love that you said, he's like, "Mm, my YouTube channel. (laughs) It catalogs my life as a tennis player. Me and my girlfriend were talking about this last night. <laughs> Screw your question. Follow my YouTube channel. I hear your question. I choose to ignore your question. You should follow me on YouTube. I mean, the interview alone was enough for me to stand. <laughs> totally. I don't have to see anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching that YouTube channel. 
Totally. So like, subscribe, share Daria Kazakina's YouTube channel. (laughs) You know what I liked too? I didn't realize this, but her first WTA title was in 2017 at the Charleston Open. I'm like, I did not even, I had forgotten that or I didn't know that. Um, Why do I care? I'm from Charleston. (laughs) Exactly. I know. That was a little fun fact too. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, Charleston. I know. I had no idea about that one either. Yeah. Yeah. Charleston is like Sloan's one Charleston. Keys is one Charleston. Mm-hmm. It is like definitely some, uh, it's kind of like the Iowa caucus. Like uh, Charleston has an interesting way of like <laughs> highlighting players that are like, you know, potential rising stars. They they really do. It's like, uh, you don't always know who's going to mm-hmm. you know, pull out a win in Charleston. And a lot of times they end up kind of making a name for themselves. It's totally it's different and- that way. Right, right. And I think also for like, um, you know, a lot of like Southern tournaments, right? The biggest one usually is like Miami during the Sunshine Double. Um, but like Charleston was the biggest one growing up for us, oh, yeah, at totally. least, like, especially for like, and it's only a WTA tournament, right? Um, but big names come to Charleston. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was always. Unless you're the Williams sisters in the 90s, then you're. Exactly. Boycotting it. Yeah. With yes, yeah, for as for very very good reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As as yeah. I'm surprised Sloan went there. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure they took down the flag at that point, right? I don't know. I'd have to do the research on that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, the flag did not come down for a very long time. Gotcha. So, Confederate flag was uh, flying over the state house of South Carolina, yes. which led the Williams sisters to avoid the state of South Carolina for. 10 years? So, mm. yeah. Warranted. It's right there with them. Yep. All right. Emma Raducanu. Yeah. Um, fascinating player. Yeah. Back from injury. Yep. Still very young. She's 21. <laughs> 21. I mean, when I was doing this research on her, I was blown away by how many injuries this little baby has had. I know. Like... Since winning the U.S. Open in 2021 Mm -hmm. um, at 18 years old, when she entered as a qualifier. Yep. um, That was I remember watching that run and it was wild. Like even her like winning uh, over Layla in the final was just like really, really impressive. And I mean, she was so strong beating like really, really like soccer-y, some impressive players, top ranked. Um, She is um half chinese half romanian yeah um born in canada but grew up in london Mm -hmm. little third culture kid i know speaks many languages i Mm -hmm. she's fluent in many languages yeah mandarin romanian yep Yep. english yep Yep. canadian yeah fluent canadian (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um yeah i mean the injuries it was yeah. back glutes foot blisters yeah hand blisters ankle yeah. wrist she also was having like crippling anxiety like panic attacks i know yikes yeah she's had a bit of a run i mean i it's hard you know it's like hard physically when you're a professional athlete that young it's also hard mentally it's like that's all you do is play tennis and so yeah. Are you taking, you know, are you afforded the luxury of developing coping skills? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Potentially not. I mean, your whole focus is tennis, right? I saw her come out and play. Um, I watched the match against Svitolina uh, mm-hmm. this week and 
Radhakanu's thigh is all type taped up. Everybody's yep. like, what is going on? Um, mm-hmm. But she was like playing an amazing, she was playing really well and was very yes. mentally seemed very good. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, Svitolina beat her in three sets and it was an unreal matchup. Um, but Radhakanu looks good. I mean, I would not be surprised if she did pretty well in the Australian Open. I agree. And she got a wild card into yep. the Australian Open. So the, she'll be in the main draw, yep. um, which is really exciting. Um, and that match against Svitolina, I saw the highlights after you mentioned it uh, to me. And um, the first two sets went to tiebreakers. Oh, yeah. They were that close. Um, yeah. And you're right. I mean, the shot making for both, it really could have gone either way. I think it was that third set. And um, I was going to ask you if there was an injury that was discussed during that third set because it was pretty one sided for Svitolina. You know, arguably, it was a very good matchup, like, um, throughout the entire match. And I agree, it could have gone either way. But, like, interestingly, the first set, Radakanu was up at 1.51. And Svitolina brought it back to a tiebreak. And then also in the third set, um, Svitolina basically just, like, dominated. I mean, it was just, like, 6-0 or 6-1 something. Yeah. And so they were very matched up in the first mm-hmm. two sets. Like, it really could have gone either way. But Radakanu really had it in the bag. Um, 5-1 is like a pretty significant lead to give up. Right. Um, but like, if you just look at their matchup, like it was, it was phenomenal, you know? Mm. So. Um, there were some amazing shots, like that one um, where they both had incredible backhand slices. Oh, yeah. um, and I think Svitolina ended up getting it. I'm not sure. But I mean, it was, yeah, an amazing matchup. Both of them were like, getting so physical oh, yeah. um, and you could tell that they wanted it so bad. Even Svitolina, right? Like mm-hmm. has come back after having a baby yep. is playing better than I think she's ever played before. Oh, yeah. um, Ukrainian player. So dealing with all of that sort of external yep. difficulty right now and, mm-hmm. and just trauma. Yep. Um, and so it's really, it's really cool to see her do so well. She yep. had a great run at the U S open too. Her, yeah. her why seems very clear to me. Um, I would be scared to play Svitolina, who's like really in it for her country. Um, I feel like she's really in it for her family, you know, like she's yeah. married to Monfi, or I don't know if they're married, mm-hmm. but they're together, they have a child. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his career is probably winding down a little bit. Hers, she was named Comeback Player of the Year last year, um, you know, and it is hard after giving birth to a child to, to make a comeback. And she just mm-hmm. is. She looks really good. And it she seems like does. she really wants to be there. And I feel mm-hmm. like she was always good beforehand, like years ago. You know, she mm-hmm. was always a fun player to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I don't think she's won any Grand Slams as far mm-hmm. as I know. I would not be surprised if, she's, if she starts to. Same. She's headed in a direction that is very different and feels like, like her. She is like grounded on the court. And I agree. She has like never looked better, you know? Totally agree with you. I think like she is looking stronger than she's ever, ever looked on the court and hitting with such like confidence Mm -hmm. and she's sure of herself. Totally. And I love a female athlete with her husband in the stands. I mean, what is better than that? (laughs) I know. I know. And they're so supportive of each other. They're so sweet. Like yeah. even like in the US when they were playing the US Open last year when they were playing simultaneously on different courts, she's like asking the umpire, Hey, do you know if my husband's done <laughs> like playing? Oh, I was very um, sad when they broke up for a little bit. Oh my so gosh, same. 
<laughs> I know. I know. Both of us followed their uh, relationship Instagram account, their couple's account. Yep. And yeah, that was definitely uh, tough. Yep. But I mean, now they have a child. Gems. Yes. G-E-M-S. Gael. Elena. Alina. 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 Monfis. Alina. Gems Life. Gems Life. Follow so, it yeah. on the socials. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now, uh, Alina is in the semifinal of uh, the Auckland, the ASB yeah. Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And has like beat Radicanu, beat Wozniacki, who oh, also yeah. made a comeback after, mm-hmm. I think, having a kid, right? Don't know. Not sure about that one. She was not the comeback player of the year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but Svitolina came back with a bang. Like, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. She like, yeah, she deserved that title. She earned that title. 100%. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You've been, you've been on the Svitolina train for a while. Like, I feel like years ago, you've been like Svitolina. I know. She lingered you in the have. top ten for like for a while. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I guess let's talk about the men. Uh, Ugh. Fine, if we have to. Novak Djokovic. Uh, he has a right wrist injury. He lost in Brisbane. I'm not sure what to make of that. He wants a Golden Slam. TBD. Do we need to talk more about that? No. <laughs> Off court, anti vaxxer has a lot of online trolls. Yeah, H thirty six. Something anti Novax online you're gonna get. Exactly. Yeah. Twenty four Grand Slams currently number one, but out of Brisbane right now, hailing from Serbia. Mm-hmm. Thank you next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, On to Carlos Alcaraz. <laughs> woo woo. We love Carlitos. Um yeah. Baby boy. He's twenty. <laughs> He is 20, uh, currently ranked number two from Spain. Oh, yeah. Uh, two Grand Slams. He has been hyping Rafa's return maybe more than anybody else. He could not be more excited. I think he's more excited than anyone else. I agree. I think Carlitos is so stoked. Iga is so stoked, obviously. Yeah. Like, you can tell that they're fans. They're so excited for him to be back. I think it was 2022 was when Federer um, retired. Serena retired. So that was the big story of all of 2022, right? 2023, Rafa's out. Um, Federer's gone. You know, Novak is dominating, but it's not really a big Novak story. It's more like Carlitos, right? And now here we are in 2024, Rafa's like retirement or farewell tour. And so I really love that the attention is not hyper-focused on Novak. No one's um, even though he no has one's the numbers <laughs> exactly no one's talking about it and like everyone is so uh hyper focused on the comebacks that are happening right now like naomi and yeah. rafa and that feels really good and i think that also sh- like indicates sort of like the public opinion about a lot of these players and how beloved they are totally I don't think you watch Drag Race, but Sasha Colby, one of the Drag Race winners, was like, I'm your favorite drag queen's favorite drag queen. So, <laughs> right. So that's a real <laughs> This is what's happening right now is Rafa is your favorite tennis player's favorite tennis player. Totally. Yeah. 
And that is the Carly Toast situation. Exactly. He loves him. He loves him. He so, loves to do those off-court underwear ads, too. <laughs> Calvin Klein, right? Was it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of, this is a side, uh, did you see um, the Bear star, Jeremy Adam Allen, Allen, with his yep. Calvin Klein situation? Gotcha. Yes. Uh, the internet, the internet loves it. <laughs> the internet loves it for sure. The internet mm-hmm. also, I, I don't know. Did they love the Carlitos? I loved the Carlitos underwear. I thought it was cute. He was incredibly dominant, what, for two years, like just the rising star winning everything. He was the person to be, um, which was really saying something because he's so young, mm-hmm. but He's slipped a bit, you know, and no one really totally knows, like maybe a little bit of injury here and there, but also like just mentally. And um, there's kind of like people are kind of wondering what what's next. You know, it's like when you come out of the gate so hot and so successful, like, where do you go? Do you adapt? You know, you've got a bullseye on your back, you know, and everybody's coming for you. And what do you do? You know, do you just keep doing your thing? Are you able to keep winning just doing your thing when everyone's watching you, like trying to figure mm-hmm. out what you're doing so they could beat you? Or do you adapt? You know, do you want to adapt? Do you want to continue to play at that level? Can you, is it sustainable to play at that level? So yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal player. Anyone that has a chance to watch Carlitos Alcaraz play should watch because he's an absolute blast. He is. He is. He and I think we've t- we've said this before. He and Gael Monfils are like human yeah. highlight reels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so fast, so physical, um, such a great, like well-rounded player who yeah. can, who has like the touch um, to do, to throw like drop shots in there. And he loves a drop shot in oh, yeah. a high pressure moment oh, too. Totally. He will throw a drop shot out there and um, it will it will be successful. You yeah. know, it'll, it'll go well. Sometimes it goes well. Sometimes it doesn't. And even when it doesn't go well, you're like, he's not going to do another drop shot, but and he, he will do it. Yeah. Yeah. The blast. He's like such an incredible player. Um, yeah. And he has a lot of fun on the court. You can tell totally. he's smiling. He has the right, like sort of mental energy around it where he's not going to get really down on himself a lot. Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of hype for him because everyone was talking two years ago about changing of the guard for Spanish yeah. tennis, Rafa, Rafa sort of transitioning out and then him being the new Rafa. So there's been so much comparison mm-hmm. um, between him and Rafa, but he has his own game. It's different. Yeah. Um He's right-handed. Rafa plays left-handed, mm-hmm. even though Rafa is right-handed. Um, and the Grand Slams that Carlitos won are um, Wimbledon last year in yep. 2023 and the U.S. Open in 2022 yep. um, at 18. Yep. And so the even where he's dominating, the like his style of play seems to be a little bit more suited for like hard courts and grass. Yeah. Um, Rather, rather than, than clay. Mm-hmm. And everyone likes him off the court, from what I hear. Oh, like yeah. He's just like, he's as happy off the court as he is on the court. It's so mm-hmm. funny, like, changing the guard, like, Spanish player. Like, he has an identical celebration to Rafa. Like, he grew up loving Rafa. <laughs> and they do the same, like, vamos with the fist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is hilarious. 
Um, clearly, you know, we know who you grew up watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. Idolizes him. And oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's so, it's so fun to see, like, even when Rafa's back and posting on Instagram about like his comeback in Brisbane, Carlitos is commenting on his Instagram, like, it's such a joy to see you back and playing again, Rafa. <laughs> I know. Carlitos would like carry Rafa's bag onto the court if he could, I think. I don't think anybody's going to cry more than Carlitos. When Rafa maybe, makes- maybe Federer. Maybe Federer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Even Joker has said he's like, Carlitos was like basically the most well rounded player there is. Mm-hmm. Which is saying something coming from the Joker, and I would be cautious to accept the compliment but i do think it's true <laughs> i i agree yeah i think like what um i think he mentioned and a lot of other players have have said as well about carlitos is that he's kind of the best um mix out of all three of them yeah. out of federer nadal and djokovic he um has kind of picked specific uh parts of each of their games uh-huh. and you know combine them to create his totally it's it's fun. It's a good time to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Medvedev. Daniel Medvedev. <laughs> Currently ranked number three out of Russia. Um, I didn't know this, but he, like, basically at some point was thinking about changing his nationality to Kazakhstan because he was not getting support from the Russia Ten- Tennis Federation. That was, like, earlier in his career, but I was like, oh, I didn't know that. His Grand Slam, the only one, was 2021 in the U.S. Open. He is very well known for making it very far into tournaments, um, quarters, semis, finals. Um, but the only one he's won is the 2021 U.S. Open. And he had a very antagonistic relationship with the crowd. Uh, <laughs> and it was also a highlight reel. <laughs> yes. Um, he's 27. Okay, 27. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, when I think of Medvedev, I just think of a human backboard that just does this along the baseline. Yep. He's getting your, he's getting it back. He will play as long as you need to. He'll wear you down because you're playing against a backboard. Exactly. Exactly. Like he is fast. He hits really flat. Yeah. Um human octopus you know that's yeah. what they call him like totally. he just like seems like he uh has so many different like shots and ways to like get the ball back to the opponent where he's kind of waiting for them to make a mistake totally um but it's not that he even like doesn't hit great offensive shots he yeah, does that well he's great yeah yeah mm-hmm. he his antics like around like injuries and um inanimate objects, conditions, court speed, balls. Mm-hmm. He, he will complain loudly and persistently about conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, even if he's winning, he will let you know how he feels about conditions surrounding the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was kind of sweet that he is very supportive of his wife. He's basically like credits her with like a lot of his, his success. He's like, I was like, once we got together, my, you know, my ranking went way up. I make money and then she makes me more money. And he kind of like, I guess, 
Like they're, you know, they still live and train in Russia, I think. And I think she basically has a full-time job trying to coordinate travel visas for those two, because my understanding is it's not an easy task. Um, that's like someone's full-time job and she takes care of that. She travels with him a lot of the time. Um, wow. Yeah. So. Also has children. Also has children too. Mm-hmm. I think too. Yeah. yeah. He talks a lot about playing video games also, which I think is very interesting. He does. Yeah. 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 Well, when he won, he beat Novak yeah. in the U.S. Open in 2021, which was like a huge. He was really dominant, and he is. He calls himself a hardcore expert. Yeah. Um, and he is. He does have really good results on on hardcore. Um, and then I think that made that win even more impressive because he beat like Djokovic, who has had great results on hardcore oh, as yeah. well. Um, but when he won, he did that sort of dead fish. Um, <laughs> celebration and i think that was also from a video game okay oh interesting so that's why like people were like what is this celebration (laughs) like so um hilarious uh but he was like yeah no like everyone in the locker room loved it because they they see it in video games and they were like calling me you know they were they just like love that celebration yeah yeah yeah. he's really good friends with rublev like they are yeah like buddies yes and rublev is like the godfather to one of his yeah, children i think you're right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah kind of interesting yeah totally yeah. uh yeah has some antics on the court for sure oh, a yeah. little bit volatile yeah. definitely can get into some you know um arguments with the umps um or the crowd or the crowd, exactly. Or the court. <laughs> or the, crowd, the court surface itself. Or the balls. Like he Exactly. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Calls over the medical crew to evaluate him. And they'll be like, What's wrong? And he's like, I'm losing. And they're like, Okay. Uh, do you have a medical issue? And he's like, I think so, because I'm losing. So I need help. Uh <laughs> antics. And problem solve. <laughs> Well, antics on the tennis. Not, not exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like we should have a, a a chapter. You know, like when we sort of like break this up, it's like injuries. Everybody who you know came, you know, had injuries and are coming back. And oh yeah. All the rankings, but then also a category of antics. Antics. Um, yes. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do like a superlatives at the end of 2020, 2024. I like and, it. Um, Say who who has the biggest antics? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most entertaining antics. Oh yeah. He will flip off crowds, uh, which he's oh, yeah. done on multiple occasions at the US Open and then also this last year he did one as he was walking off the court. I can't totally remember what the deal was, and then someone was like, Oh, were you flipping off the crowd? And he's like, No, I was just waving goodbye, you know? <laughs> he liked <laughs> People like downplay the antics later, and everyone's like, "Huh, well, it's not exactly what the video showed, but okay." Um, so. That's hilarious, yeah. um, and not at all surprising. Yeah, yeah, he just like he highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Taking I- a page out of also the the Djokovic book too, uh, and yeah, the curious. Like, yeah, he's book. a villain. He's a villain. Exactly. I think there's a couple of those that are leaning into the villainy. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, he, Kyrgios, Djokovic. It's oh, yeah. Very easy to name those ones. because got an evil empire. They're so obvious. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I would argue that Medvedev is the most likable. 
<laughs> I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yannick Center? Yannick Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Currently number four out of Italy. Mm-hmm. Age 22. Grand Slam, zero. Grand Slam Zero, but had a great end of 2023. He's coming for a slam. He is definitely coming for a slam. He's been coming for a slam, I think, for the last, like, one to two years. Um, He has had some of the best, I think, like, matches with him and Alcaraz have been, like, some of the best matches of the year. Yeah. Um, When they have met in the U.S. Open semifinals. Um, I think they met at Wimbledon. Yeah. that is a rivalry that I think the ATP is trying to set up uh, hard. Like they are really pushing for that, but I do finally see like some uh, reasoning for why they are backing Yannick Sinner so much because he finally beat Djokovic at the end of last year. Um, You put this in here. He is one of the hardest hitters on the ATP tour. What? I I know. Okay. I know. Get it, Yannick. Yeah. Also, steady Eddie. He's, Very steady. Yeah, he is like ping, 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 ping. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's got it together mentally. Mm-hmm. I was reading about him. He was also like tennis was his third favorite sport. Uh, he like loved football and skiing way more. And then he ultimately mm-hmm. decided he wanted to pursue tennis because he appreciated the individual aspect of it and felt like he could invest more and learn more as an, in an individual sport rather than a team sport. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a different breed right there. You know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that we, we see as, uh, one of the biggest pain points of mm-hmm. tennis is totally. how individualistic it is. Isolated. It's also, yeah, super isolated. And it's one of the reasons um, why people sort of like lean on other sports. Oh, and that's not a, that's a hot take because okay. not a lot of people sort of have that. Rafa like also loved football and was like, I don't know that I want to play tennis because it's yeah. way more fun playing with my friends. Totally. Yeah. Yannick's like, no, I would like to go brush up on my individual skills, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's an incredible player. Um, oh yeah. And his he, parents were a chef and a waitress at a ski lodge. I know. Wow. So cool. I know. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't either. I mean, talk about outsiders to tennis, right? Like nobody's in the family who's like, kind of like guiding him towards it. Oh. Um, Parents are not like, you know, athletes in any way. So that's definitely a, a deviation from the norm for him. Trilingual also. I know. Wow. I know. German oh and Italian. What a catch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what not a catch. Guy. I know. <laughs> I know. Are we auctioning them? Are we auctioning them up? <laughs> Everyone, get your bed zone on center. Um, <laughs> limited time only. Compared to Roger Federer for his calm demeanor yeah. and all court movement, I love that, and I I could totally see the comparison. Yeah. He is yeah. the only. Yeah, he's not like he doesn't have the one handed backhand that nope. um Roger had, but I mean he is very consistent and he hits some amazing shots. Also, his coach is Darren Cahill now for the last like I think couple years and um they've been having some pretty solid results so yeah. i think I, he had a real 
real good showing at the end of 2023. Yeah. 2024 is going to be good to Yannick Center. I'm telling you. Agreed. Yeah. He's knocking on that Grand Slam door. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's coming for Carlitos. (laughs) He is. He really is. And Carlitos wants to be friends so bad. (laughs) It seems like... Yeah, he is. He is. And he's like, yeah, no, this guy's so good. Like his, you know, I definitely think we can, we are going to be rivals for a very long time. And the conversation seems one-sided because Yannick is very much like (laughs) avoidant about the whole thing. He's quiet. He is. He's quiet. Strong, silent type. Exactly. He lets his tennis speak for him. Rafa. Rafa. Coming back after 340 days, after a hip surgery. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hailing from Mallorca. Mallorca. 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, 22 Grand Slams. 22. If you haven't heard of Rafa, do a deep dive. Um, we're also judging you. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been? Where have you been? <laughs> exactly. Uh, dominant for like two decades, maybe more. Um, Amazing clay court player. And yeah, had a baby last year, took some time off because of the hip surgery. Often is actually his off time um, on his yacht. He got to travel last year and it seemed like he really enjoyed it. Yep. Yep. He's got that big tennis money. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I mean, 14 French Open titles. Uh-huh. I mean, the the biggest streak, I think, in a Grand Slam anyone has ever had. Yeah. Yeah. He is the true manifestation of a raging bull. He is incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, I think, like... Two gold medals. Yes. Beijing. Two gold medals. Yeah. One yeah. in singles, one in doubles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was doing some digging yesterday and I had no idea. And I feel like I knew this one, maybe, you know, I started watching Rafa, but initially he had a two hand forehand, two handed. I think from what I saw, uncle Tony was like, what you're going to need to do is actually, um, we're going to take the right hand off, even though you're right-handed and we're going to make you uh, play left-handed. And so he started with just 20 minutes each day and then extended it longer and longer. And initially Rafa did not want to do it because it's, it's tough. Um, But uncle Tony said that you need to do this because it's going to give you an advantage. Well, Um, that's impressive. I don't think I knew that either. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. His ground strokes are incredible. Oh, yeah. And I mean, this, like, for Brisbane, he's been hitting with so much pace. Like, it's Mm -hmm. all of his shot making is so deep. And I think the left-handedness, like, one, we talked about this earlier, but, like, the Western grip is the extreme Western grip adds to so much topspin. But then also where the bounce ends up, because he is left-handed, makes it so difficult for opponents to return his shots Um, because especially on like a clay, that's why he's so dominant. The bounce is so high. Mm -hmm. And so for folks like Federer who were doing one-handed backhands, they were having to hit the backhand from way above their head one-handed, which takes, yeah, so much more Mm -hmm. strength. Um, 
We love him. We love him. Glad also did back. Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein ads. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't remember that. I'm going to have to look that up. Is there anybody else we want to talk about? Like anybody that we haven't put on the list that we're like super stoked about? Oh, really stoked on Runa. Oh, Runa. Yeah. I'm like, oh. okay. Holger. The thing I find most interesting about Runa is that Stan Wawrinka told him not to be a baby on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Runa does have, he's that. a prodigy out of Denmark for sure. Like he's, he's good. I watched him last night mm-hmm. and I was like, Okay, he's good. And he's a pretty boy. He like like lots of short shorts, lots of shirts off. Like he takes his shirt off as much as Rafa does. Changes his clothes <laughs> as much as Rafa does. Um, changes hats. He's like pretty mm-hmm. boy. Um, it's interesting. But he's he's phenomenal. So it will mm-hmm. be interesting to see where he goes. Yeah. He's been in the conversation for a good while. I think he's also knocking on the Grand Slam door. Oh, for sure. He has potential. Yeah. I don't know that he's his like He's a, he can he does not like to lose so um he starts to get tantrumy he's kind of like Sabalenka vibe a little bit like he's mm-hmm. he can get if you get him on unsteady ground it's not gonna probably go well um, mm-hmm. so we'll see I think he's got a lot of potential definitely yeah, yeah. um big foe big excited foe. about big foe love big foe. Yeah. I know. Same. Yeah. Big foe also is really so we're talking about Francis Tiafo. Yeah. Uh from the US. Um personally I think Francis is our is the top ranked American on the ATP tour. Um yeah. And uh he's done really well. I mean, he's beat Rafa mm-hmm. in the US Open. Um he has been really consistent and he has such a fun play style um, where he's like moving the opponent around the court. He's getting, he's so physical. He gets to like yeah. these amazing shots. Um, great celebrations. Great celebrations. Exactly. Yeah. Really, really fun. Watch. I, I mean, he's, he's, he's got a lot of grand slam potential as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope we see that for him in 2020. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. I think like Runa, Tiafo, um, who else? I think like even the Sitsipas. I don't know. Sitsipas, I feel like is a little bit lower on that sort of on the, the rungs of the, the potential for a Grand Slam at some point soon. I feel like so it's tough. kind of. Hmm? I think so too. Yeah. He, yeah, he's yeah. Had a tough. He gets close regularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Deal. Yeah, especially in the French. I think yeah. uh, he's gotten uh, as close as could be, uh, getting to like a final. But um, it doesn't seem like the results have kind of showed up as uh, frequently over twenty twenty three for him. Yeah, his whole like situation with his coach and like being his dad and is his dad his oh, coach yeah. or is it not and. He yeah. gets very mad at his box, and it's very contentious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like, dang, should we mix things up a little bit here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, also, like, is it working? Because you I haven't. Think it has not been for a long time. Yeah, I, I agree. Mean, I'm like, how much do you two hate each other? Because it seems very contentious. Mm-hmm. And I think Sitsipas has a younger brother that also kind of helps coach or train. Um, 
Yeah. I feel like, knowing nothing, that it would potentially be beneficial to the entire family. Would they, could they have a little bit of separation, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit of distance? Maybe mm -hmm. dad could still be supportive in another way. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he gets a different coach. Well, maybe like dad and a coach, you know, like maybe yeah. split that responsibility up. Like we see for a lot of players, right? Because this is, this happens often, right? Like Coco's, like we talked about Coco, uh, Coco's coach initially was her dad. Uh, Shelton's coach is his dad. Um, and so, so for Serena and, and Venus, right? But like maybe adding somebody else on there. So, because it's such a... um you know, it's, it's an important relationship with the coach. And then when it's also muddied by it, yeah. by this being a family member, I think it makes it even more difficult to, you know, discern, um, when, you know, that person is your coach versus when that person is your father. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there've been times where like, Sitsipas is yelling so much at his dad that his dad leaves the stadium, you know? And then last night, even I was watching just for a little bit at the, what's the cup? United Cup. United Cup. Yeah. Dad's there talking to Sitsipas, like in the beginning of the match. And in the middle of the conversation, Sitsipas just like heads up into the court. And I'm like, whew, you know, like the tension is high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't enjoy that personally. I think why, like. Why is it even necessary? There's so many I know. options. Is it exactly. like. Exactly. Gone. I don't know. It just, I don't enjoy that. Like that dynamic when they're yelling at their support system because Kyrgios does that as well. And it always, I can't either. It makes it so unenjoyable to watch those matches. Like the, the Wimbledon final with Kyrgios and Djokovic. I had the whole thing, the whole time I had it on mute. Cause I was like, I don't want to get emotionally invested in all the things, all the abusive things yeah. that are being said. Like it's very, um, it's giving ab abusive. You know, it is. It's, it's very strange. It's giving violence. It's giving like no verbally. It's like, yeah, it's going to yell at your support system. It's, it's a very strange flex. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It, it also, I'm asking those people who are in the box, like, why are you there? I would not take that crap. I'd be like, what are you, what are you doing? This is embarrassing. I know. Yeah. It seems like such a red flag. I know. Glaring. Red flag. Be like, you pull that shit one more time. We are not working together. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was it. You're on notice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, have some We're respect for yourself. Your yeah. You know, totally. For you. We can talk about it. We're not going to do it on a public stage. Exactly. And also, it's a choice for you to be there. You have a... Yeah. Uh, you have a choice in the matter. You have uh, okay. power in the situation, yeah. autonomy. It's bizarre. It is so bizarre. Very uncomfortable for everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Out Wide. I'm Steph. I'm Resh. We hope you're inspired to join the Out Wide bandwagon. If so, take a listen to any of the episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or follow us on Instagram at out underscore wide underscore podcast. Follow our pod, share with your tennis obsessed friends, and leave us a review that's as golden as a perfectly executed drop shot. See you on the court, out wide fam.